podcast today I'm going to read chapter 16 so here I go uh, of the Shakespeare Theater so here I go in the tearing room Mr. Hemmings was putting more white in his beard for the part of Polyamus and Mr. Shakespeare dressed all in armor was touching up his ghostly white makeup Mr. Hemmings gave me a startled look where Where's is the rook? Jack in- insisted on taking it over. Sander answered for me. Lord help us. Still, said Mr. Shakespeare, it's better than I feared. In view of his habit of dropping things, I expected that which had let it fall in the hill. Hell? I echoed. Our word for the cellar beneath the stage, Sander leaned close to me. Don't listen to him. He's just heckling you. I ken that. Mr. Hemming sighed. I'm due on the stage. We'll set all this later. He dusted the excess powder from his beard and started out for the door, pausing through pausing long enough to say to Mr. Shakespeare, wouldn't care to trade booties for a time, would you, Will? I write the plays, and you run the company. And you run the company. Company? Mr. Shakespeare considered a moment. I suppose that's no more absurd than letting Jack hold the book. He turned his gaze back to the looking glass. The man who played Laertes came into the room and struck up the conversation with Sander. I let my thoughts wander and and my eyes with that. Because in his helmet, I could not see Mr. Shakespeare's face directly, only in reflection in the glass. He had, fini- he had finished repairing his ghostly power and now sat staring, uh, and now sat staring at, uh, and now sat staring at his reflection, not as if sensing his appearance, but as though the looking glass were scry- scaring glass, and like the geysers he resembled, he was seeing into another time or place. And perhaps he was. Perhaps he was preparing the next play in his mind. himself physically for this one but before i could look away his gaze caught mine in the glass he frowned do you have nothing better to do than lounge about in the tearing room well it i was to hold the book sir you that then you should have held it more firmly, he rose and strode from the room, his armor clanking. What was about? What was that about? Said Sander. 
I hardly can. What was a truly cross with me? And do you wish? You can't tell sometimes with me. That's so, said the man who played Laertes. He is a hard one to know. They say that in his younger days he was a good companion, and he still can be on occasion. But much of the time he's withdrawn and pensive. If having a touch of genius also means having so strong a dose of melancholy, melancholy, I'll settle for a merely being extremely tall and talented, and extremely conceited. Sanders said, "By the, by the by, you two haven't met, have you? Which this is Chris Baston. Not so ago, he was lowly apprentice like us." Beeston held out a hand, which I took hastily. Widget, you're the one who made me go a little jig to cover for Henry when we dropped his lines. How is it you're not out there now holding the wolf? It's not my, my fault, I said. Why does everyone fret so much about the book? Because, Beeston said, they have a way of ending up in the wrong hands if you're not careful. What do you mean? I said, though I knew well enough. You mean sometimes they get stolen? Sanders said. Oh, I didn't. I did not care of the direction the conversation was taking. Who would want to steal a play? Other, the- other theater companies. Easton leaned forward and lowered his voice. I've heard it said that that's why Will Kent left the company. They say he made off with the bulk of As You Like It and sold it to a touring company in Levisier. Levisier, I said. My voice sounded strained. Beeston nodded. The man who runs Levisier Company was with the Chamberlain men for a time, back when I was still doing girls' parts, a fellow named Simon Bass. I had feared this was coming, and he had and had my face ready so that I did not betray me, that it did not betray me, or so I hoped. He gave me my first fencing lessons, Beeston held out his right hand. I've still got a scar here where he struck me. I never knew him well, but there was always something about him that didn't go down right. I never quite trusted him. One thing I will admit, he knew more about makeup than any than anyone else in the company. The, his Shylock in The Merchant of Venice is one of the most astounding transformations I've ever seen. But then, perhaps it wasn't all it acting. His voice became even softer. They say his name is really Simon Bash Bashevi, and, and he is a Jew himself. A Jew? I echoed. 
Her face burst out laughing. What? A Jew! A Jew, Beastie said. Don't you know what a Jew is? Of course, I heard you wrong, that's all. In truth, the concept was hazy in my mind. I knew the falconer had killed a man for calling him one. To mask my ignorance, I repeated what Falconer had said. There are no Jews in England, only former Jews. Well, that's so, Beeston said, after what Lopez did. Enough, though, though I had no notion of who Lopez was, I nodded, I nodded knowingly. It was... It was not until a month or two later that I learned how Dr. Lopez had tried to poison the queen and be been executed and how all the other Jews had been forced to renounce their religion or be banished. Sander jumped up from the bench then and suddenly as if struck by of his dress pins, a cock crow. The what? The crock cow crow. Come. I followed him from the tearing room. I mi- I missed the first one while I was dressing. And Jack and Jack is sure to forget this one. Jack stood by the stage entrance, peering at the book, as though he'd lost his place long ago. I gave us a sullen chance. He gave us a sullen chance. I don't need, I don't need no help. I wasn't offering any, Tender told him. I've come to do the cock crow. I can do it well enough, Jack said. Where is it? He ran a finger down the page. Cock crows. There, off with you now. I've, I've practice it, Sander insisted. I'll do it. I know how to crow, Jack said. On the stage, Mr. Shakespeare gave the cue on his hollow ghost voice. Adieu, adieu, adieu. Remember me. Both Jack and Sander opened their mouths. One let out a sound of reminiscent of squalling baby. The other sounded um likely like a stuck pig. Either by itself could have been startling. Together they were positively, positively unrevering. I shook a finger in, in the ear that had borne the burnt of the noise. Do you, tr- do you truly wish that that's how to cook? Cock sound? I suppose you can do better it better. I'm country white, remember? I can what a cock sounds like, and that's not it. Jack scowled at me. As it so happens, he said, this is the Danish cock. Sander and I looked at one another, then broke it into fists of laughter. He he had to stagger back to the tearing room, holding our hands over our mouths, and closed and closed the door.
closed the door lest we infect the audience. It had been a long while since I'd laughed so freely, if indeed I ever had. By all accounts, Jack did not furnish a single word to assist the poor to assist assist the poor players who were forced to invent or to omit whole passages. He was not permitted to hold the book again. Neither unfortunately was I, nor because I not I was not trusted, nor because our bookkeeper recovered and resumed his duties. So I had no further chance to carry off the script. I could not honestly say that I regretted it. The longer I stayed with the company, and the longer I was away from Faulkner, the less intensive I felt to complete my mission. I had not forgotten the reward promised me, but that too prompted me less and less. All that I had was Bass's word in the matter, judging what Chris Beston had said, his word was not worth much. One thing I did know from hard experience, a master's promise to apprentice is likely to be redeemed only at the last llamas, as they say, which is to say never. When, when the when a week went by and Faulkner had made no attempt to contact me, I convinced myself that he had lost patience and returned to Letisier to report to Simon Bass. Still, I stuck close to the theater and in three hours to Mr. Coates. Though Faulkner was impatient, I had felt I had um I had the feeling he was used to getting what he wanted, one way or another. I applied myself to my daily tasks and lessons at the theater, to my surprise began so to actually enjoy them. Dr. Bright had trained me as a man might train the dumb beast, though repetition reinforced my duties. There, here, the method was different. We were given credit for some intelligence. We were expected to learn each technique quickly and to practice what we had learned in our own until it became second nature. At the end of the week, I was, to my astonishment, given to a small part to the play, to play, that to a messenger in the Spanish tragedy, tragedy. I have a letter to your lordship. I was to say, I was to say, and uh, I was to say, and from Pedrangiano that's imprisoned, and then I, my good lord. 
That was the intent of my role. I swear by the same pencil that I practiced those lines a thousand times at the very least. I believe I may have repeated them in my sleep. Sander bore me with infinite variations, and I employed in saying my lines and my inability to say the name Pedrigiano properly until he could bear it no longer. One morning, as I stood the looking glass in our room, saying Pedrigiano, 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 he reached the limits of his tolerance. Which, for all loves of earth, what did you do when they gave you an entire speech? I, I started at him in dismay. Oh, Gis, do, do you think they will? Sander began to laugh. What did you just say? I said, will they give me a whole speech? No, no you didn't. You said, do you think they will? Not you wish, but do you think? He clapped me on the back, and for a change, I did not flinch. My boy, my boy, I believe you're turning into a Londoner. Gog's bread, I muttered, uh, not knowing whether to be pleased or alarmed. I hope not. The play was to be before an audience of Wedden Wednesday. <laughs> Tuesday night, I scarcely slept. Toward daybreak, I was sat up, reading in half-light, one into ballad sheets on the walls. Sander woke and peered drowsily at me. What are you doing? Reading, mostly. He clucked his tongue. It's only three lines, which all the more cause to freak. And... Say them wrong, I'll have no chance to redeem myself. Sander sighed. You want me to play the lines for you? You've a part of, of your own. I can play more than one. It, it's done all the time. Nay, nay, I'm not one to quit. I'll, I'll do it somehow. He yanked and lay back down. After a moment, I said, It gets easier, doesn't it, playing a part? Sander did not reply. He had fallen asleep. Eventually, I scumbled to sleep myself and woke with the sun on my face. I shook my head in dispel of the dream that had filled it. In the dream, I made my maiden entrance upon the stage and the audience at once broke into gales of applause and laughter. Pleased at having created such a sensation about opening my mouth, I smiled and bowed deeply to discover that I stood before them in purest na- naturalis. That it to that is to say, naked as a worm. Oh, Sander, what a dream, I said. But Sander was not in bed, nor in the room. 
when it came to me, if the sun was up, I should be too long since. I scrambled into my clothing and hurried downstairs. Good wife Willingson was feeding the smaller children. Good morning, Widge, the boys chose. I gulped a bowl of forage, burning my mouth in my haste and excused myself. Goodbye, Widge, the boys called after me. I paused though enough to wave to them. The enthusiasm made me smile as I closed the door and set out for the theater. A hundred yards or for or so from the house, I became aware of another set of footsteps behind me, and even swifter than my brisk pace. Some fellow player late for the morning rehearsal, I guessed. As I turned to see, a hand seized the neck of my tunic. I was dragged to the side of the road, hoisted like a sack of grain over the hedge, and flung on to my back in the grass. So that was chapter 16. Bye guys, see you later, see you later, see you later, see you, see you later, bye guys.